you have to wonder, will future generations look at the all the pictures of the world in which we live today and wonder, why the hell were every all the pictures square and kind of weirdly lighted? Tonight we talk about Instagram and Instagram for recruiting. Stay with us. Howdy. Welcome to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, you can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, as always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. case morning how are you doing uh <laughs> it is second cup of coffee time as per usual here i am in the bunker high atop chicago uh lakeview area there i got more specific about my life um let's talk about instagram uh i have not wanted to talk about this for a while because i have been uh let's say well maybe not on the fence let's say i have been as much as i like instagram personally i like it as a, as a social channel i think it's a fantastic thing um I think I have held back on talking about it for recruiting because I wasn't 100% sold on it. And I'm going to talk about why, obviously, because talking is apparently what I do. <laughs> Sorry, all of you. But I also want to talk about what's changed recently and what I think you should be doing moving forward. So a little historical analysis, a little little uh, strategy, and some steps moving forward, right? We like that. That sounds good. Fantastic. Just before, so we can do some housekeeping, thank you for everybody who's rating and reviewing the show on iTunes and Google Play. I really appreciate it. You have no idea. Um, and your comments to me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Just, I really appreciate that. I love it. Thank you so much. Like I said, I do this high atop wherever the heck I am right now, and I do it by myself, and it feels like talking into the vacuum. So any echo that comes back saying that you guys are reading, I appreciate. So without any further ado, here we go. Uh, Instagram. So if you don't know if the rock you've been living under involves um, all things digital, Instagram is a social media channel for pictures, which is a weird thing to say if you really think of, think that sentence through. But it was started... And as I remember, it was started like a it was started like a Foursquare Yelp kind of thing. You would check into locations and talk about locations, and this was in 2000 and let's call it 11, 10, 11, 12. And it wasn't quite playing out. This is way back when Foursquare was still kind of a thing. I don't know where they are right now. Um, they really just didn't know what they you know they were they're they're a bit of a yes me too a play. And what happened was, is one of the things they decided to do was make it very easy for you to take pictures of your location or restaurant or food or whatever. And the pictures, they said, well, what we do is, let's throw a little filter on it. I mean, everybody has Photoshop. Everybody knows what Photoshop is. Everybody has editing. Let's do some pre-set up filters so that every photo can look a little more polished. And the photos took off. For whatever reason, 
be whether it was just the audience they were talking to or the UX experience, the user experience and the the architecture of it, it just took off and they pivoted and they said, you know, maybe it's not about location so much. Maybe it's not so much about reviews and checking in. Maybe it's about the pictures. And that's when things went crazy for them. And they just blew up out of nowhere to the point where Facebook bought them a couple years ago for notoriously just under a billion dollars, if I remember the exact number correctly, uh, at a time when they had few employees, if I remember, it's less than 20 or 25 employees, they paid a billion dollars for this company. And it just blew everybody's mind. This was four years ago. They're four doing math now. No, it was, oh, wow, it was close to five years ago. Time keeps ticking, folks. I don't know if you're paying attention, but it does. Anyway, they bought it for a whole lot of money. And at the time, the world was like, you'd pay that much money for a photo channel. It's photos with filters. You could knock that out in a couple of days. You've got a million monkeys and a million keyboards knocking that stuff out. Why can't you build that out? And, and Facebook didn't have an answer for it, but what it had was a lot of money, and it paid for it very, very happily. And as things turned on, it turned out to be a fantastic idea for Instagram. I will hopefully remember to come back to the idea that maybe it was a bad idea for us. <laughs> it's a good, I can point to something, uh, an article, hold on, uh, about that, but we'll get into that later. And so it was interesting photos. What the call to action or what the real kind of reason for being was it made everybody with a phone a photographer. You could make pictures that looked pretty darn good. The filters were pretty nice. Granted, they made them initially look like old pictures or faded Polaroids in a shoebox, but as the filters evolved, we got better at using them and we got better at uh, editing photos and we got better at using cameras and of course the camera technology the lenses and all that the, the the sensors behind the camera got better and better and better and our pictures have gotten fantastic if you look at any box of shoe actual box of polaroids from when your parents were younger they are atrocious oh my god they are train wrecks of photographs you know you take a look at party pictures and it's always two one person on the couch sitting and one person standing and they're full body and there's a lot of room around them you can't you can barely make anybody out it was so far away no one got close no one knew how to crop no one really knew the rule of thirds or anything like that and the lighting was always atrocious uh the number of people who still try to take pictures with the light behind them it boggles my mind come on kids backlit you're gonna look like nothing you're gonna look like a silhouette and i don't think that's what you're shooting for anyway it has made us all better photographers to the point where even photographers wonder how do we make a living in a world of Instagram? And that's a separate conversation. I'm not going to get into that. Now, for a long time, I didn't even bother talking about Instagram because it was a weird thing. Yes, I like taking pictures. Yes, I like showing off of where I am and the locations I'm at. Now that I have a kid, you, I, my channel is littered with pictures of my kid being cute. You're welcome. Uh, or I'm sorry, depending on your point of view. I'm not bragging. My kid's not special. She's just mine. So there you go. It's what I do. I'm a dad. Get over it. <laughs> Gosh, I'm persnickety today. So, uh, but I've been reticent to talk about it as a social channel because I don't think it's very social. It's great for connecting and creating an audience and showing pictures of things. Now, if you are a professional photographer, if you've got a hook, if you take pictures of pretty beaches or skylines or you know how to make an interesting tableau on your desk, fantastic. That's amazing. And if you hashtag right, and I think at this point, Instagram is the only channel for whom hashtags really mean much at all. You could generate an audience, and there are people who, you know, and I, not to be too weirdo about it, but, you know, there's there's stories of uh, fitness actresses and fitness models who have the kind of body people like to look at and take pictures of, amassing huge audiences in yoga pants, and sometimes slightly less. That's great. That using hashtags, you can generate that audience, and if what you have to show off is very visual, it's fantastic. The problem has been for a very long time. So what? 
What did it matter? You can generate an audience of 100,000 people who are rabid fans of whatever it is you're taking a picture of. Then what? If you needed to send a link to someone, you couldn't. The best you could do was change your bio in your account and put a link there and tell people in the subject line or in the, the, the description of the photo, hey, click on, go to bio for link. So what you're asking people to do is who are sliding through their phone, looking through their feed, seeing this amazing picture, let's hope, of you and your whatever you're shooting, and they go, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more. I want to buy that thing. I want to read that thing, whatever it is. You say, go to my bio and link. So they have to go click on your picture in the tiny, tiny, tiny little thumbnail of you uh, or your brand in their feed. Go to your slide, slide down to your bio, click the link, get out of Instagram and do the thing. And no one jumps that hurdle. Very, 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 very few people jump that hurdle. And Instagram kind of didn't care. I mean, let's be fair. Their, their parent company was Facebook, who was printing money at a speed at which we'd never really seen before. Only Google came, comes close and Amazon, I guess, now. So they didn't care. If the, if the channel didn't make them a lot of money immediately, if they had a plan for it, they have a strategy for it to amass an audience who loved it and used it, they'd figure out a way to monetize it later. And that's kind of where we are now. So they kind of let it sit for a couple of years. And it grew because it honestly, it wasn't filled with spam. It wasn't filled with promotion stuff. Yes, I know the, if you're a Kardashian and you're probably promoting that sport drink or makeup or brand of yoga pan or whatever I, I so i don't have to follow you and thus i don't get spammed with that stuff it was kind of a nice channel for a very long time i picked and choose exactly who i followed brands were not very big on it because there was no good link to it it was mostly an influencer channel so you really you can blame to some extent the kardashian and the the hadids and the models of the world and the audiences um that that's very much an instagram culture you become famous for being interesting on, on, on film or video or whatever you want to call this. You grow your audience as fast as you can, and then you parlay that into influence that you can pass on to brands who pay you. Hey, look at this. I'm drinking a Pepsi or a Coke or a Gatorade or whatever the heck you're drinking, a LaCroix, and LaCroix and Pepsi and Coke and Gatorade, whoever are thrilled, and they pay you for that. Uh, of course, you make those agreements ahead of time. I make it sound like it's accidental. It's not. So that went on for a very long time. That was a couple of years of Instagram. And then Facebook decided it was time to pay the piper. And and you can't you know be mad at them. <laughs> they spent a billion dollars on this channel. You got to get a return on investment on a billion dollars or you know somebody's getting fired, even if it is Facebook. So the marketers came and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every X number of picture, we're going to insert a potential ad or an ad placement. People will bid on positions. They will bid on the opportunity to put an ad in your channel, just like they do for ads on Facebook and, frankly, for Google AdWords and all those other things. You, it's pay for play. So if you want to put your pic, pretty picture in front of someone's feed, you pay for it. Great. And in fact, you can actually use the exact same ad manager and ad buying tool that you use for Facebook that has generated a billion dollars. That's a real number, by the way. It's slightly more than a Google of money. You know, you use the same tool, so it was very professional, and, and the companies and the brands who have been using Facebook to do ads go, oh, yeah, sure, just turn on, turn on Instagram. We're good to go. Now, of course, if they did that by itself, that wouldn't have been much because getting a company to spend money on brand awareness ads without any call to action or any clear ROI, and I frankly don't think impressions is an ROI you can measure, this wouldn't have worked. So what they had to do, of course, was build in a call to action, and this is where Facebook changed. So that's why now when you're scrolling through and you see a promoted post, there might be a button there to do something. Learn more, read more, buy now, whatever it is. That's a, that's a call to action. And that's 
where Facebook has changed. That's what they've decided to do. And that's fine. Again, you can't begrudge someone for trying to make a living. And I don't have to be on Facebook or, or, or Instagram. So it's fine. It is what it is. But that's the turning point. Suddenly, Instagram is a real media channel. It can push out ads. And with, an, with those ads, there's a call to action. And I think that's really when it boils right down to it. If I don't want to get into a what is media conversation. But that's the difference between offline and online media. Offline media, it's impossible to engage beyond it. Seeing a billboard, seeing the commercial, seeing the whatever, you can't engage with it. Digital ads are designed to be engaged with. They're measured on how much you engage with it, right? If you click the link, if you read more, that's what they're paying for. And thus, Instagram became a digital media channel. And because it had gone years without monetizing, it was an amazingly massive media channel, and it went great guns. Now, at that point, you'd think I'd say, okay, great, time to get serious about it, but I really wasn't. Now, I based this not on data, but on anecdotal evidence, and I own that, right? And I've got some data points later. Um, and it was simply that there are people who I'd follow, famous people, who were mediocre on Instagram, and when Snapchat came out, they went nuts on Snapchat. And we were waiting because that, that's what coincided. Snapchat's growth coincided with Instagram's being turned into a marketing channel. I don't think that's coincidental. I think at some point the, the cool kids, as it were, who decide what's next, and I think uh, Scott Galfrey over at, or Galloway over at Winners and Losers would say the indicator of growth is always where are the cool kids. Um, the cool kids went, go to where your mom isn't and where my mom isn't. So as... Instagram became a channel that my mom felt comfortable with. They migrated because that's because they turned it into a marketing channel that mom could use, and they went to a place where there weren't marketing. And back in the day of early days of Snapchat, there was no marketing. It was exactly that. It was the cool kids. It was the secret place, and it grew exponentially over the years. And I found that as even as Instagram were stealing good ideas from Snapchat, like stories at the top of your feed, and theft is what it is, but frankly, it's not illegal because it's a good idea. And they just said, oh, yeah, sure, let's do that too. And they did it, and they owned it. But they were very clear that they were stealing it from Snapchat, and Snapchat was, from the innovation standpoint, they were owning the space. They were just copying good ideas. This is the sort of thing that companies like Microsoft had done for Apple for a very long time and were very successful at it. It's pretty standard. So Instagram started copying Snapchat. Snapchat grew and grew and grew because it's where the cool kids were. And one day Snapchat decided, hey, let's monetize this bad boy. And again, just because Instagram had stories that was like Snapchat, I wasn't seeing a lot of activity, not, especially not for that first year. Obviously, when they launched it, everybody played with it. Everybody dorked around on it, just kind of tried one or two. And then it got super quiet for a very long time. Meanwhile, my Snapchat was blowing up like crazy. And so to me... Like I said, it's anecdotal, purely, no data. Snapchat was still the cool kids' channel. Snapchat was still the place where in, in, uh, influencers and uh, brands were trying to make, you know, they, they knew the cool kids were there, so they were trying it out. They were playing it out. And to me, that's the, the leading indicator of potential growth down the road. But all that changed in the last couple of weeks. So what changed? Well, first off, the numbers changed. There's data that shows right now that Instagram's ability to steal good ideas and innovation out of Snapchat is really cutting out Snapchat's growth rate. It's slowing down. Now, part of that is because you can't grow exponentially forever. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, just ask Google. Just ask Facebook. At some point, you start slowing down your rate of growth. Yes, you're still growing, but the rate at which you grow, you're no longer insane growth. You're no longer talking about quadruple digits of growth like companies have seen. 
it's still gro- it's still good. Everything's growing, but it's just not that insane. At the same time, as Instagram started sneal- stealing Snapchat's stuff, connecting it to a marketing place platform, Snapchat started to monetize itself too. So suddenly it as a differentiator started to get less and less so. It looked and looked a lot more like a lot more like Instagram, which is not true because what it really was is Instagram started looking a lot more like it. Um, whatever. That's not neither here nor there. But at the same time, F8, which was two or three weeks ago, if I'm maybe two, I can't remember, uh, Mark Zuckerberg launched a whole slew of technologies including AR and VR and all this other stuff. And at the time, Instagram effectively was the biggest and most famous virtual and augmented reality company in the world. They had more users using augmented reality and virtual reality um, than anybody else. It was making money off it, but then Facebook came in and said, "No, it's gonna. We're gonna take this now." And Facebook said, "Yes, we've got all these virtual reality and augmented reality tools. You got coding languages. You've got infrastructure. You've got user bases. We're gonna leverage the Messenger platform and the Facebook platform and the this platform and that platform. We're gonna start to own this thing, and we're gonna make a lot of money off it. And then so Cohen, so at the same time, you've got Snapchat slowing its growth, Instagram continuing its ramp up because it's stealing good ideas and, and integrating them into its huge audience." Facebook's commitment to grow this space, well, it's time to talk about Instagram. As you know by now, this is a pitch-free zone. This is all about education. This is all about learning something. This is all about helping each other and taking what we're learning from each other and, and passing it along to the next person. So that means this is free. I mean, in every complete sense of the word, free. What I'm gonna ask though, instead of a credit card number, is that you simply share this and that you review this on iTunes or Google Play. I, that's that's the thing that gets this in front of as many people as possible. I'm doing this because I love doing it, but frankly, the more people listen to it, the more I love doing it. Go to iTunes. It takes a couple of seconds to just simply throw a couple of star review on that one and maybe say something nice or not. Complain. Feel free. I don't care. Uh, but the more reviews we get, the better off the show ends up being. So that's all I'm asking for. Otherwise, uh, have a great rest of the podcast. Here we go back to the, the show. Really, the data shows that this is where it's at. And my anecdotal evidence bears that out. Suddenly, in the last couple of in the last month or two, my stories channel has started to really get active. And my Snapchat has started to kind of get less so. So yes, these are trends, and so you have to extrapolate them out long term. And I've been rambling on for 20 minutes now almost here about the history of Instagram, which you could read anywhere. Uh, by the way, um, just so I can bookmark it and remember later, uh, if you want to talk about whether it was useful for or valuable to, as human beings that Facebook buy Instagram because one social network buying another uh, and the implications in a monopoly sense, I would definitely highly recommend the last two episodes of Exponent podcast. I recommend that podcast to anybody who's smart, frankly. It's a little heady sometimes and it's a little long-winded. Maybe that's why I like it. Uh, but it is some of the f- best thinking in terms of why it was a bad idea for people that one social media channel by another. So anyway, back to the story. So now it's time to talk about Instagram for recruiting. It's serious now. You've got the audience. You've got a huge audience. Instagram is a massive, massive, still-growing audience. You've got Facebook money behind it, pushing it forward, seeding new investments, seeding new ideas, seeding new infrastructure. You've got... Um, a competitor whose great innovative ideas they've stolen like crazy. Um, 
to kind of feed it more ideas that they can feed into that massive audience. You've got a call to action, a marketplace. You've got all the things that make for a good channel. Now, that said, who cares? How do you use it? What does all that matter? James, you've been rambling about the history of Instagram. Get to the thing. Yeah, okay, here we go. So there is no one-stop shopping for Instagram. There is no solution to Instagram. Okay, let's just put a huge, put that in bold, header two kind of type right now. There's no silver bullet for this, nor should there be. And anything there is a silver bullet for um, is either a lie or won't be a silver bullet for as long as it takes to write that sentence. The second anybody figures out there's a way to, to game these systems, they get gamed, they get changed, and that's that. So I think there's a lot of value in Instagram from a recruitment standpoint, from an employee branding standpoint, from a brand awareness standpoint, and even from a straight-up recruiting platform. You just have to use it right, and that's what I want to get into. So first off, remember, at its core, it's about pretty pictures. Simple as that, right? Obviously, but no. You want to make sure whatever you're doing on Instagram, and we can talk about a bunch of things in a minute, but whatever you're doing starts and stops with a damn good picture. If you can't take a damn good picture, stop this podcast now. None of this, you should you get, get out of Instagram. I want you out of the pool. Get out. You're not allowed to, I, do not be spamming my channels with bad pictures. Good pictures, is, that's table stakes to get an Instagram. And Instagram's going to do whatever it can to help you take a better picture with filters and stuff. But in the end, have an eye. Have a good eye. And if you don't have an eye, get someone who does for the love of all that is digital. Go do the thing. <laughs> Okay, so start there. Start by taking and keeping and using great pictures, right? Okay, so step one in getting good in Instagram and having Instagram be of value. One, take those pictures and publish those pictures. I know it's not the hardest thing in the world. Like I said, Instagram makes that easy, but you have to do it. And you have to do it on a fairly regular basis. Step two, like I said earlier, Instagram is the only channel right now where hashtags mean a lick of anything. Right now, Twitter, every time, every couple years, LinkedIn comes out and says, yeah, we have hashtags too. And everybody goes, yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. Um, Twitter's hashtags are as close to dead as you can get. I use them almost as a, just in case somebody uses them. But nobody clicks on a hashtag anymore except on Twitter chats. Uh, and that's a very specific use case, and you have to be very particular about that. But in the end, Instagram's the only place that hashtags are used, but I think they are used quite a bit. And they're used quite a bit because there's no inherent call to action in the organic usage, meaning you can't put a link to stuff, so you try and generate some awareness, some steam, some mojo by using hashtags and getting people to your channel. That's why it's very common and not at all weird and spammy when people take a picture of their cat eating a pizza and they hashtag it with 27 hashtags. Cats, cats in Chicago, pizza, pizza Chicago, cats eating pizza, pizza love cats, blah, 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 and like every other permutation you can think of. And Instagram does as a tool, on the, web, the, the phone version does a really good job suggesting hashtags that are related. You start, you start typing things in and it will give you suggestions based on the size of the audience using that hashtag which is why occasionally I put Chicago Baby at the, on, on my pictures of my kid. <laughs> yes, I'm guilty. Give me a break. Um, but you got to do it, and you should you get used to figuring out how to use hashtags and how to find, identify, burgeoning, and trending hashtags. And while we're talking, I'm going to try and pull up. Oh, I'm not going to find it. Um, I'm going to type as I talk, which is always a bad idea. But there, I saw a tool, and if I can't find it, I will put it in the show notes. Instagram hash 
tool. I think I'm sure I found it on Product Hunt. Um, yeah, I'm never going to find it. Oh, I did. Um, maybe. Nope, did not. All right, I'll throw it in the show notes. I'm sure I can find it pretty quickly. But there are tools for that show you, hey, here's the trending popular hashtags on Instagram. And I recommend you get good at that because hashtags still work. All your knowledge about hashtags on Twitter, move it over to Instagram. Throw 10, 20 hashtags on it. You can even be clever and throw a couple of bullets so it pushes the hashtags down below the so-called fold. That's great too. Don't make it look like you're spamming even though everybody does that. Do that. So that's just standard stuff, and you want to have a good cadence of content. Uh, Like I said, if you're not taking good pictures, stop it. Get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Uh, I'm assuming you're taking good pictures, so feel free to throw good pictures in. If I'm following you, there's value in you showing me good pictures. That's what I'm here to see. This means from a brand engagement, from a brand awareness, from an employer brand standpoint, no more pictures of groups of people standing in front of things. Oh, keep Put those in LinkedIn where pictures ugh, are boring. I want interesting pictures. I want good pictures. That's why I said you need to have a creative eye. You need to think about how you take those pictures. You need to be a little more zoomed in, a little more zoomed out. You need to be filtering. You need to... You need to take a good picture. So if you're taking a good picture and you're hashtagging and you're doing it on a fairly regular basis and you're growing your audience, and I think that's by using hashtags, you are growing the audience. And by the way, you should also be promoting this on your other channels. Make sure the photos you take in Instagram are showing up occasionally on Twitter and Facebook so that people can see that you're active on that channel. Grow the audience. You're going to do try, shoot for as much organic growth as you can. And I think... Unlike other social channels that are specifically about brand awareness and recruiting, Instagram doesn't have the same problem of I started, I shared, I'm sorry, I, I, I joined the channel because I was looking for a job. Two months later, I found a job, so I know why would I keep looking at this channel and everybody unsubscribes? That's the problem. One of the huge problems I have with Twitter and recruiting is that who sticks around for more than two or three months? Once they get the job, what value are you actually providing? Hey, have another job. Hey, have another job. Hey, have another job. Hey, have another job. Which, by the way, is like 90% of recruiting social channels on Twitter especially. And stop it. <laughs> Please. I o- When I see it on oh, – here's an aside. You're welcome. When I see it happen on LinkedIn, I almost want to res- email them and say, stop it. You're doing this wrong and point them to something that says how to do it right. But anyway, people still doing it. What are you going to do? Don't, but they, that doesn't really happen on Instagram because the value of a picture, something that's attractive and interesting, is inherently valuable. And thus, I will follow it even if I'm not actively looking for a job. So people don't fall off as often and, and as quickly. So there's value there. And then you just kind of keep rolling it along. You know, share it on social channels. Maybe you can do occasionally a couple of interesting Hey, you got a motivation Monday here and here and there. I think that's a once in a while kind of thing that you shouldn't be your that should not be your your uh, strategy. Uh, throwback Thursdays and motivation Mondays and all those stupid things. You do those once in a while. If there's a ALS challenge or a kind of a hashtag trend that happens in sweeping the country, jump in on that just to show that you're you're playing along and you know how to play along and that effectively you can hang. Uh, but don't expect a lot of audience participation in that. That's fine. But you, that's how you use the channel. How you activate it beyond that organic reach, well, that's where things get different. And that's where you dive into the marketplace because, like I said, there's no good call to action on Instagram unless you're paying for it, right? Unless you're actually promoting that post, the call to action button doesn't show up. And since no one will go to your bio to click the link and do the thing, and frankly, what exactly are you sending them to? A list of jobs? You spamming jerk. Don't do that. Um, 
you need to be specific. So for example, if you have a, pic a picture of your Atlanta office or your Phoenix office and they're doing something cool and interesting, or you're showing a, a good post event, and frankly, we should probably have a conversation about what goes on that channel. It doesn't have to be all kegs and, you know, keg stands and, and parties. I think there are lots of interesting work-related pictures that show what the work is. I think people who use Instagram purely as a culture channel, you're showing the same pictures everybody has. Look, we have ping pong tables. Look, we have beer on Friday. Look, we like to have fun occasionally. Look, we're singing karaoke. Yeah, we all get that. We all do that now. That is the new normal. Move along. Unless you've got something special to say, move along and tell me something else. Anywho, what a digression in this podcast. Weird. So, if you want to turn it into a call to action, you have to pen, you have to spend money, meaning you have to get good at your segmentation. Now, because Instagram lives inside of Facebook, you <laughs> you have access to some of the best targeting tools in the digital ecosystem. Facebook makes me nuts, but man, it's a good targeting system. Um, Instagram isn't quite as deep as, as Facebook is, but it's pretty good. It's pretty close. Remember, you start up your Instagram channel and it's connected to your Facebook channel. So everything it knows about you in terms of Facebook, it knows about you on Instagram. And frankly, based on what you're following, it feeds that database into the whatever magical CRM it's using to say, this is who you are and this is what you care about. So that if I have jobs in Phoenix, I'm only showing them to people in Phoenix. Unless it's a job where I expect to, to relocate people, in which case it's a whole different conversation. So use the targeting system. Know your targeting system. If you don't know your Facebook targeting, go find someone who does. Someone in your audience, and I assume I'm speaking mostly to the recruitment marketing team, go talk to your friends over the marketing team. And if you don't think of them as your friends, you're missing out. Uh, you need to go partner with them because they have expertise that you may not have access to and you do not want to miss out. This is not, a, when you're spending money, this is not a time to be prideful and ego and say, well, I'll figure it out on my own because I'm smart. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you're smart. Guess what? Marketing answered all your questions a year ago. So go talk to them, right? So go ask them how they're targeting. Bring forth an idea of who you want to talk to. Now, since you're spending on a cost per click base or a cost per impression, a cost per click basis, do not cast a wide net. I think that's the biggest mistake most people use in Facebook advertising. And this, they say, I want to talk to all women and men between the ages of 21 and uh, let's say 57. Okay, well, you understand that's everybody, right? <laughs> and if you want to talk to a everybody, go buy a Super Bowl ad. It's literally cheaper. You need to get specific. If you want to talk to specifically men in Phoenix, the age of 23, who like the Cardinals, I'm guessing Arizona, um, do it because your message should be something that connects to men of that age who like the Cardinals. I'm not saying let's be sexist about it. I'm saying understand your message and tie it to it. If you've got a message that's about, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking. If you've got, I don't want to go to the whole, um, uh, maternity leave policy. I think that's that's so overstated as a as a, a gender focused perk. Um, so let's talk about paid time off. Let's say the way you frame paid time off is about having adventures and getting away. That may be a slightly more female skewing conversation, or at least the way you word it. Pitch it to your women. Right there, you go. If you're using a motivation Monday and it's got lots of flowers on it, yeah, you want to pitch that to women. I, I hate to tell you, dudes do not. Notice those things. Dudes do not subscribe to those channels. That is a female audience. Much like Vogue, much like Pinterest, it is a female audience. Nothing not good, not bad. It is what it is. You want to talk to dudes? Talk to them about football. Talk to them about hockey. Talk to them about baseball. 
sorry it's true it's 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 a stereotype but there you are there's other things you can talk about but i'm just saying that's how you can frame that stuff anywho not to get into a weird gender stere- gender role stereotype thing i'm just saying focus your audience you want to talk to a couple hundred people because that's Again, remember, recruiting is a game of quality, not quantity. You're not there to get a million people to apply for a job. You're there to get 10 people to apply for a job, 10 amazing candidates. So focus on that. How do you find those 10 amazing candidates? How do you get them engaged in whatever it is you're talking about? So use the Facebook targeting system. Then promote it. Make sure it gets that make sure it's there. Make sure you have a call to action that connects to what you're talking about. If this is a very, very top of funnel, hey, become aware of us as a brand, your read more call to action may be appropriate. Otherwise, it's pretty generic and don't use it. Register, you know, there's all sorts of other calls to action you can leverage and you should. Getting deeper into Instagram, how do you really connect the dots? Well, like I said, the, the call to action button really, really helps. But you can use retargeting. You can say people who have been to your career site where you have installed a pixel, a Facebook pixel. And by the way, I'll have you can have a separate conversation with your marketing team and digital team about how to install your Facebook pixel on your site. And you can say, look, you showed up to our jobs and we know you did not apply for a job, meaning you're aware of us as a brand, meaning you know that we exist. You have a sense of what we do. You know we're local to you. You were in some way five seconds interested in us. But for whatever reason, you're either not ready to close the deal and apply for a job or you didn't think you had a job that we, we wanted to do. Or maybe you just got busy and got distracted. So you know of us. You're deeper into the funnel than just, hey, look at me, hey, look at me. The content you provide on Instagram now should say, this is the kind of thing we want to talk about. If you get good with your Facebook pixel, you can actually narrowcast it to people who are looking at customer service jobs and only present content about customer service or something that a customer service person would care about. You can use that retargeting pixel to truly narrowcast to people who already know you right? So if you say, look, you already know about company X that in which I work and you've read some stuff and you were looking for jobs that you didn't apply. Hey, by the way, I'm not going to put a job at you. I'm not going to pitch a job to you because you already know we exist and you know we have jobs. What I'm going to try and do at this point is explain to you why we're different and why you should be involved with us. Maybe at that point, we want you to sign up and join uh, our feed so that we can give you regular updates on Instagram or wherever. Maybe your call to action is, look, maybe we can set up a conversation. Maybe we can just do an intake. Maybe we can, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. And frankly, if you're talking about customer service jobs, doing an intake is probably a bad idea. But if you're talking about your data scientist that you're desperate to engage with, maybe you do. Maybe you just have and you suggest an informal informational conversation interview and just say, look, we just like to talk. There's a lot of ways to use that retargeting pixel. You just have to get as specific as possible. Now, The cons on all this stuff, as I have been told by many media people, is that the more specific you get and the more granular you get your audience, the more work you got to do to make it work. And I will tell you right now, that is true. If you are trying to target 100 people at a time to get people to pay attention to you, you've got a long slog ahead of you. The trick is that you need to set yourself up to make content that appeals to that audience. You don't want to use the same content and push it out to 100 people at a time. That's that, that's stupid. That, that's, that makes no sense. If you're talking to 100 people at a time, you have to know your audience. And again, the, the, the marketer who knows their audience best wins. You have to know how you're targeting, know what they care about, know what they're listening for, know what they're looking for, know what they've done, know where they are in the funnel, and pitch them content that moves them one step closer to applying. 
It's hard work, but it's effective. All right, so to recap, Instagram, yes, time to really get serious about it. I think it's a lot more effective than just pretty pictures of you winning an award or you standing in front of a um, a campus event with a couple of kids who did an internship or you know whatever boring pictures that most people are doing. I think there's a real opportunity to get serious about it. I think you can certainly even if you're you know if you're using this for campus recruiting, which is a separate conversation, but I'm gonna dip my toe into it anyway. You can use it to let your interns tell their story. Give them the access. Put a, a web. Put one. Pick one of your interns. If you've got a pool of twenty interns this year, pick one of them and have them be the social secretary, effectively, and say, "Look, you have the logins. You take the pictures, or have people send pictures to you. You are responsible for making sure you don't post, you know, post nudes and 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 brand un- redefining content, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, and you push that content out. Now, the trick is, if you're if they're doing that, and I think I'm going to spend a couple minutes talking about apparently uh, university relations, which is fine. Um, if you do that, know what you're trying to get out of it. Now, if you think you're going to spend the summer pushing social content about your interns all summer and that matters, you better make sure that your interns for next year are looking at it. But they're not. They're busy doing some other internship or working at a crappy job or hanging out their parents' house or whatever it is kids do these days at college when they're not juniors or seniors looking for internships. You've got to have a strategy for collecting content of the interns this summer that you can show your interns when it's time to talk to them, either in October, November, or sometimes in the spring, depending on how you do your intern project. If you're new, if your prospects are don't care in the summer, don't worry about filling your social channel with content as it happens. Interns and, and recruiting content almost invariably is non-topical meaning it's not timely. You don't have to get it out at Tuesday at 3 o'clock because there's some sort of Tuesday at 3 o'clock event. Who cares if it's a week later? They didn't. They missed the event anyway. Sometimes the audience you're trying to talk to, isn't. you're not even going to talk to them for six more months. So don't worry about making sure you're filling it every single day or every single week. Think about Instagram in that case as a means of collecting an audience, collecting awareness, collecting content because you can use those photos again. They don't, aren't owned by Instagram. They're technically owned by you, I think. Um, actually, let me rephrase that. I don't know who owns them, but in, you're allowed to reuse them anytime you want. So lawyers, please don't sue me. Um, collect the content. Use it later. And then use this as an opportunity to anybody who falls. And, and you know, if, if you've got a hashtag intern and people that summer show up and see it for some reason, make sure you're, tack, you're, uh, you're uh, pitching them in a couple of months when it's time to really talk about next year's internships. And you have to pay for that. But at the same time, that's how you use that. Just understand how people use Instagram. And I think segmenting, which probably should be the next conversation we have, is how to do deeper segmenting of your audience. Because I think one of the biggest problems I see is that people try to treat all their audiences the same. Wrong. Um, you got to understand how your, your user base works. In the case of university relations, people are not looking for internships in the summer. They're looking for it in the fall and spring. You, that's when you've got to be active and talking. So there you go. So that's Instagram for recruiting. To recap... Um, yes, you can take it seriously now. Yes, there are calls to action, but you got to pay for it. Yes, there are good audiences. Yes, there are ways of using hyper-targeting that you should be doing. Yes, you want to take good pictures. I mean, yes, 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 you need to take good pictures. That's a given. But I mean, really take good pictures. I'm so sick of boring pictures. Uh, I will unsubscribe to something with a boring picture. Simple as that. That's like the worst spam in the world. Trust me. And it's visual, so it kind of a, get it out of here. I will unsubscribe immediately, and I think I'm not the only one. Um, 
get good with the targeting, get good with how you're promoting it, put establish a budget that makes sense for you, and then collect that content for use when your audience is really active so you can use it as a content collection tool. So there you go, Instagram for recruiting in, by my notes, 38 minutes. Yay! So thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to find me, I'm on the Twitter at the talent, uh, the, the, the web, oh my goodness. Hold on, I gotta take more coffee. I know you're, you're hanging up anyway. I treat it like a phone call. Find me on Twitter at the War for Talent. You can look at the website if that's the sort of thing you want to send to people at uh, www or not www thetalentcast.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on all the different podcasting things. You can find us. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Review us and share it. We love it. We really do appreciate that. I will talk to you next week. Oh, one last thing. If you have questions, if you haven't hung up already, if you have questions, if you have topics you want to cover, as you've heard, we've covered people's topics before. That's fantastic. I love helping solving people's problems. Suggest them on those channels like social uh, and and web. So just let me know what you want me to talk about, and I will do my best to make that happen. With that, I'm going to stop recording and talk to you next week. Bye. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.